Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we come to the end of a uh, six-week-long series of messages entitled Bodybuilding, in which we have been talking about building up the body of Christ, or in other words, building up the church, and about what it means to be healthy in our attitudes and in our behaviors and strong in our relationships with each other so that we might be a reflection of Christ uh, in this world and more people might be drawn into his uh, community of faith because the last time I checked, that's the kind of church that people want to be part of and, and join together with us. And during these last uh, six weeks, we have been guided by the words of Holy Scripture and also by the words of our fellow church member, last uh, weekend's preacher, Bruce Hartung, and his book, Building Up the Body of Christ, in which we are reminded that uh, any church that is strong and healthy, like any relationship uh, that is strong and healthy, is one that uh, not only embraces, but welcomes and celebrates the diversity of uh, gifts and personalities that God has given to us. It is one that remains faithful in the face of whatever spiritual challenges or struggles or battles that we might face in this life. It uh, creates trust and trustworthiness and safe spaces for people to uh, share their heartaches, their struggles, their failures, and, and their doubts. And it is a community uh, where there isn't always an absence of conflict, but where there is such a thing as healthy conflict that gets resolved in God-honoring ways that actually restore and even enhance our relationships with each other as a witness to a world uh, where people so often vilify each other in some terrible ways. And now today we come to the sixth and final bodybuilding characteristic, which is actually first and foremost among us. It is the heart, it is the center, it's the core of our life together as a church. It is the motivation for everything that we do. It is the thing that gets you through your life in all of its changes and chances, joys, sorrows, successes, and failures. And that, of course, is God's transforming power known as grace. And what better day to bring this little series to a close and to celebrate grace than Reformation Day when we remember the life of a 16th century church bodybuilder who through his own persistent study, pursuit, and discovery of Holy Scripture and in particular St. Paul's letter to the Romans and the Gospel of John, both of which you heard today, finally discovered the truth that set him free when he discovered that life in Christ is all about grace. It is not your perfection because I doubt you will get there. It is not your performance because that's never really quite enough. It is not your flawless obedience to the laws of religion as much as you might try, if you even do try. It's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace, God's undeserved, unconditional love revealed in his son, Jesus, who sets us free from the power of sin, sets us free from eternal death by his own sacrifice on the cross, by the glory of his 
resurrection day. And when Martin Luther finally got that, when it finally got through to him, when he discovered grace and came to know the God who in his beautiful and poetic words carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse, it changed his life. And when it changed his life, it changed the church. And when it changed the church, it changed the world. Because grace given and received changes everything. And so what better day to celebrate uh, the first communions of 31 young Christians as we do throughout the course of this morning here at St. Andrew, who uh, having been brought to uh, God's once and for all sacrament in the waters of holy baptism, now come to God's do this often sacrament for the forgiveness of their sins, for the strengthening of their faith, and for the building up of this body of which they are now a part and for which they are 100% of the future. And so today on this Reformation First Communion Day, I was thinking again about a survey that I learned about several years ago uh, from a Lutheran denominational uh, leader by the name of Harold Bolick down in North Carolina. And I repeated it uh, on the day of our oldest child's First Communion and a time or two since then. This survey asked this question, what are the most important words that you've ever heard? What are the most powerful words what are the most life-changing words you have ever heard? Of all the respondents and all the possible responses that you can imagine, the number one answer was, I love you. The number two answer was, I forgive you. The number three answer, believe it or not, was, dinner is ready. Truth. And while that third answer kind of caught me off guard a little bit, uh, when you stop and think about it, they're all about grace. They're all about how vitally, critically important it is to be part of a communal, spiritual family, a body of Christ, a, a congregation where grace is at the heart and the soul of everything. It's, it's the motivation for what we do. It's the word that we speak. It's the food that we eat so that we can grow healthy and strong as the body of Christ who by his life, his death, his resurrection comes to you and me again today to say to you, I love you. I forgive you. And dinner is ready. And so today, I invite you to think about your life, think about your relationships, and think about all the lives and all the relationships and all the churches that have been changed by the power of grace. Think about that woman, that sinful woman that we meet at the beginning of John chapter 8, to whom Jesus goes, and he says to her, I know what's happened, and I do not condemn you. Go, leave your old life. Live a new life, because that is the word that sets us free that we heard today a little bit later on in John chapter 8. 
Or St. Paul, the author of that magnificent uh, letter to the Romans, who was a one-time enemy of Jesus and, and an enemy of the followers of Jesus, who heard the word of God saying to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And it caused him to turn around and say to the church, this I know, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Or Martin Luther, the leader of the Reformation, the namesake of this tribe that we are a part of, who for so much of his life uh, lived uh, you know, under the judgment and, and in the fear of God until he discovered the truth that set him free in the power of grace, God's unconditional, undeserved love, God's riches at Christ's expense. In his book, uh, Dr. Hartung points out that when God's grace is at the heart and soul of your life, when his baptismal grace is at the center of everything, it not only has an effect on your spiritual well-being, has an effect on your intellectual well-being, has an effect on your physical well-being, your vocational well-being, your financial well-being, because grace changes everything. Grace is the alarm that opens the eyes to welcome and embrace the astonishing variety of races and cultures and personalities that God has given to us. Uh, grace is the weapon that we have at our disposal in the face of whatever struggles or, or spiritual battles that we individually or as a church might encounter. Grace is the building material of the safe places that we make for each other in the church. And grace is the medicine that heals our differences, our conflicts, our broken relationships in ways that actually enhance them for the glory of God because grace changes everything when given and received by faith. At the end of his book, Building Up the Body of Christ, our brother Bruce writes this. I have learned, sometimes painfully, the necessity and value of relationships with others who follow Christ. It has been painful because I learned that value by trying to walk alone, by turning my back on the very community that Jesus has given me. In some ways, writing about that community is a way to remind myself that I am gifted by God to be a member of communities that are part of the body of Christ. In that regard, it's likely that I have first written to myself and then to you. Which kind of vaguely reminds me of something a homiletics professor uh, said to us as we were getting ready to come out of the chute from seminary and uh, out into the church when he called us to go out there and preach to yourself and let the congregation listen in. And it's in that spirit that I would invite you today to think about grace in your life. Think about all those times when you got accepted, even when you felt like you were not acceptable. Think about all of those moments when forgiveness was demonstrated, when absolution was proclaimed to you in your life. 
And then think about how you and I might extend the grace out into the world because we are the church together, reformed, remade, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And for all of our antics, for all of our failures, that is who we are. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet and eyes and ears and the voice and the touch of Jesus in this world. And while I certainly hope that all the things that we've been talking about in the last uh, six weeks might uh, help us to live that way, I can also promise you that none of it will work without the transforming power of God's amazing grace. You don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But we've got it. And its power can still change your life. And so with that, I close down this little series of messages on this Reformation First Communion Day by telling you that God's grace is sufficient for you. And it brings us together as the body of Christ for the hope of the world in the name and for the glory of the one who is here in his word and spirit to say to you one more time today, I love you. I forgive you. Dinner is ready. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.